in Chris Young's first trade deadline in charge of the Rangers, he is already making big swings, acquiring Max Scherzer, three-time Cy Young winner from the Mets. Is he worth the price, and what does he bring the Texas Rangers they didn't already have? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Sunday, July 30th. Your Rangers are 60 and 45 alone in first place atop the AOS, just a one great game lead over those Houston Astros. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, Max Scherzer is a Texas Ranger. The Rangers traded for Max Scherzer from the New York Mets, uh, trading away their number two prospect in my midseason prospect rankings, Luis Angel Acuna, for Max Scherzer and some cash considerations and some, some pretty big cash considerations, if I do say so myself. Not that there is a small amount of cash considerations to be thrown around when Steve Cohen is involved. The Mets will be paying down $33 million of Max Scherzer's salary over the next two seasons. Yes, he will be pitching for the Rangers this year and next year, and that leaves the Rangers with $23 million to spend on Max Scherzer for this season and next season. That is a pretty cheap price for a guy who has won three Cy Young awards in his career, was fantastic as recently as last year, has won a World Series in 2019, is an eight-time All-Star, and has just been one of the best pitchers of his generation. If it's not Jacob Grom, if it's not Clayton Kershaw, it is Max Scherzer. If it's not, I guess Justin Verlander is also in that competition who might be headed back to Houston, unfortunately. It seems like reports are leaning that way, or he could be headed to the Rangers, the Rangers making a deal to steal both the Mets aces, three aces from the Mets in a season, less less than 12 calendar months, or I guess 12 months in general, because the Rangers took Jacob deGrom and the Mets replaced him with Justin Verlander. The Mets were not so good this year, and there was a lot of laughter at the expense of Jacob deGrom and at Rangers fans as well, when Jacob deGrom said he wanted to go to the Rangers because he wanted to compete for a championship this year, and as soon as he did, uh, the Mets fans were like, well, we won 100 games last year, so obviously our team is is much better in a, a much better place to contend than the Rangers are. And well, the Mets are sellers at the deadline and the Rangers are buyers. This is a great pickup for the Rangers addressing what has become their biggest need at the beginning of the season. The starting rotation was the Rangers biggest strength. And, and now with Jacob DeGrom not pitching since <laughs> April, and with a recent string of injuries to a couple of key position players and to their ace, Nathan Eovaldi, the Rangers needed some help in their rotation. Eovaldi has been great this year, but he was placed on the 15-day IL. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. John Gray has been good and bad and fairly inconsistent. Martin Perez followed up an all-star year by falling off a cliff. Dane Dunning has been better than anyone could have expected, but his last couple of starts, he's been falling back down to earth. And Andrew Heaney has been... Fine. 
fine. He's just been fine. His ERA is over four and a half. Nathan Eovaldi's ERA is the only one on the staff under three. John Gray is at 366 in 108 innings pitched so far this year, but the Rangers needed a guy like Max Scherzer, and now Max Scherzer, this is not peak Max Scherzer. He has not been nearly himself this year. In 19 starts, he's thrown 107.2 innings, 121 strikeouts, so 10.1 Ks per nine, 2.5 walks per nine, but the really concerning thing is the home runs per nine. 1.9 dingers per nine. The slider has not been nearly as effective this, this year. Neither has the fastball. The velocity has gone down, as has the spin rate from last year, where Max Scherzer was honestly really excellent last year. He missed a decent chunk of the season, only pitched 145 innings, but did, did still strike out 173 batters, started game one of their postseason series against the these same San Diego Padres that are really giving the Rangers the business right now. Um, But he had a 5.2 war season, according to baseball reference, just last year as a 37-year-old. He is 38. Uh, This is his age 38 season. I believe he might actually be 39. Yes, just turned 39 on July 27th. So happy belated birthday to Max Scherzer, the now Texas Ranger. He is a former first-round pick back in 2006 out of the University of Missouri, is a Missouri native, was born in St. Louis, Missouri back in 1984 and the piece that the Rangers are sending over is their number two prospect a guy who had a fantastic season this year in Luis Angel Acuna the brother of of course Ronald Acuna Jr. he does not have that same upside so don't get too twisted about being upset about that Um, but Luis Angel Acuna has had a great season in his own right he is his own player and he has been very very good for the Frisco Rough Riders. He's 21 years old and he's been pretty much tearing up double A since he got there in 402 plate appearances this year in Frisco. He's got seven home runs, 25 doubles, two triples, hitting a slash line of 315, 377, 453, and 830 OPS for those of you doing math along at home. And he's also stolen 42 bases with just five times caught stealing. He's stolen 40 bags in each of the last three seasons. He is a menace on the base pass, very fast, and a very effective base runner. I do believe he can be an everyday player at shortstop or second base. You may be thinking, well, why did the Rangers give up the number two guy in their system, a guy who could be an everyday player up the middle in the infield and who has this kind of speed and who hits for this kind of power and has a decent on base and, you know, is making all these breakthroughs and is still very young and, and doing all this at double A. Well, you may not want to look at who the Rangers have at second and third base for the next seven seasons. It's a couple guys who are better than the best version of Luis and Helicuña in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. That's the main reason why this guy was expendable, and it got the Mets to pay down a large chunk of Max Scherzer's salary for the next couple of seasons. Not that I don't think the Rangers could have done it. I don't think they should have, because Scherzer is not the pitcher that is worth $43 million anymore. He's just not, and I don't think he's going to suddenly become that when he comes to the Rangers, or when he pitches next year. I don't think he's going to find some new version of himself that's just infinitely better and immediately back to what he was doing last year or the year before. The fall off has been pretty sharp, but sometimes father time comes for everybody. It's not always your choice when it happens. I thought that Max Scherzer would still be a little bit better than he has been this year, but the strikeout rate still being good is kind of why I think the Rangers made the choice to go for him over Verlander. Verlander's strikeout stuff has not been as good. He's been better at not allowing the home run ball like Max Scherzer has not been great at this year. 
but I think this is a solid pickup for the Rangers who really need help in their rotation because of that injury to Nathan Evaldi coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about that and a key injury to Jonah Heim, how much that's going to impact the Rangers in a timeline for maybe their best player to start getting back on the field somewhat quickly. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on everything from money line to over and under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly there is no better place to bet on mlb than FanDuel, america's number one sportsbook if you're wanting to bet on max scherzer and how well he'll do in his first start for the rangers his first start is going to be thursday i believe that's against the white Sox. so you can go make your bets sign up today at fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 dollars in bonus bets that's fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner major league baseball Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Monday. Show will be crossing over with Locked On Mets to talk a little bit more in depth about what the Rangers can expect from Max Scherzer. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers, for the most part, have gotten some pretty good injury luck this season outside of the initial absence of Corey Seager and now the second absence of Corey Seager and, of course, the bad news with Jacob DeGrom being done for the year after one month pitching for this team. But the injuries luck is starting to run out. The Rangers have had three key injuries in the last 10 days, and it has been really piling up for them. They had Corey Seager go on the IL with a thumb injury after that Friday game against the Dodgers where he slid into second base and jammed his thumb. Thankfully, he is starting to recover, and he is going to maybe be able to start swinging the bat on Monday, and Tuesday is when he is eligible to get off the IL. I don't know if he's, we're going to see him on Tuesday in the lineup against the White Sox as that series starts, but I imagine it's going to be sometime soon. The initial diagnosis was that it was just about getting that swelling down in his thumb since there was no structural damage. So that is still some good news, even though the Rangers really could have used his bat in that series against the Astros and in this series against the Padres, where they have been really shut down by two great pitchers. And maybe after you listen to this, it's been three great pitchers and the Rangers got swept. Hopefully that's not the case, but Joe Musgrove and Yu Darvish are two very, very good pitchers. And without these two key bats in their lineup in of course, Corey Seager and Jonah Heim. The offense has kind of come back crashing down to earth very, very quickly, unfortunately. And in that massive, fun, exciting, everything lost in that series finale against Houston, uh, it, everything got kind of uh, washed over. The mo- Maybe the most important thing to happen in that game was Jonah Heim left the game in the middle of an at-bat after a swing, and he is headed to the 10... He's already on the 10-day IL, but it is going to be more ten, more than 10 days for Jonah Heim, which is really, really tough for him. He's going to be out a minimum of two to three weeks, meaning he could back come back Friday, August 11th or August 18th. The Rangers feel fairly lucky for how scary initially this situation was. It's eventually going to come down to a pain tolerance issue for Jonah Heim. He feels pretty confident in his pain tolerance. He's going to have to have surgery to fix this issue. He said he felt a little bit of pop in his wrist on Wednesday against Houston, but if he can come back and not aggravate it and play through the pain, then the Rangers would really, could really, really use that. They do, they do have two guys backing him up in 
Mitch Garver and Sam Huff, who have got all the power in the world and who are decent catchers. I feel like they're going to be splitting pretty much every other game. One of them is going to be DHing and one of them is going to be catching, which it's good. The Rangers have done a good job of keeping Mitch Garver fresh. This is why you have Mitch Garver in case there is an injury to Jonah Heim, your all-star frontline catcher. One of the best catchers in baseball was leading Major League Baseball in catching war when he went on the IL, which is incredible and a great breakout season for Jonah. And having him miss time at any time is really not great for the Rangers. But still, having a guy like Sam Huff, who we we saw the monster mammoth home run that he hit against Houston in that series finale, that is 80-grade power. It's right there in Sam Huff. And Mitch Garver has also got some really, really great raw pop. His defense is, is nowhere near the level of Jonah Heim. Neither is Sam Huff, but I trust both of them to be capable big league catchers to step up and and do their part and I know Sam Huff's not been the most consistent major league bat but he's had his moments and he's never really gotten a chance well this is his chance in Round Rock this year he has been very good and very consistent at all the things that I was hoping for him to do he hit 298 with an on base of 389 and slugged 546 14 home runs and 12 doubles for him in just over 250 plate appearances a walk rate a little better than 10%, I think it was around 12-ish percent, 31 walks in those 252 plate appearances. So really got to see a new level of plate discipline for him, which has been huge. He's going to strike out a lot. He's going to hit some massive taters. And if he can walk a little bit as well at the big league level, that is a valuable piece for the Rangers to have, especially as their number three catcher who's being forced into significant time because, again, Jonah, or Mitch Garver is a little bit of a brittle dude who's struggled with injuries in his career. And having Sam Huff as your third catcher, this is the time for him to shine. I am excited to see him get this opportunity to hopefully make the most of it. Um, but also Nathan Ivaldi has been placed on the 10 DIL. 15-day IL, excuse me, for pitchers, retroactive to July 27th. That means that he will be eligible to return on Friday, August 11th. So you could feasibly, in the most optimistic timeline, Jonah Heim and uh, Nathan Ivaldi come back on August 11th on the same day, which would be great. That starts a series on the road against the Giants. That would be great. The next series after this one that the Rangers will not have Jonah Heim or Nathan Ivaldi will be against the White Sox and then against the Marlins, both those at home, and then three games on the road against the A's. You should be able to weather that storm. The Marlins are a very good team who are buying at the deadline, but they have been scuffling as of late. The White Sox have sold off half of their pitching rotation. It feels like half of the pitchers on their roster in general because they are not a very good baseball team right now. So if you can survive those nine games, hopefully come out at least six and three, maybe seven and two, then get your reinforcements back. Hopefully get Corey Seager back at some point at that time. Then you are in a very, very good place. But they are very confident about Nathan Eovaldi coming back at the minimum amount of that deadline or of that 15-day um, deadline. They also called up Grant Anderson to add some reinforcements in the bullpen because of that. But thankfully, they've been a lot more optimistic talking about Nathan Evaldi's injury versus initial signs versus what was happening with Jacob DeGrom with his elbow injury. Um, 
he threw a bullpen to Houston. He said he just didn't feel completely right. His fastball velocity had been down for the last couple of starts. Even before the All-Star break, he thought maybe with that All-Star break, he would be able to have some more time to rest it. Again, this really shows why it was so stupid to throw him in the All-Star game. There was absolutely nothing gained from it. Very frustrating. Not giving him more time off. He was clearly hurting, and there was absolutely no reason for it. Then he came out and threw... I believe it was six scoreless innings against the Rays. Looked okay, but that velocity on all of his pitches was way, way down, which is a huge, huge red flag for a pitcher to have some potential lingering injury. That's what happened to him last year with the Red Sox. He had his velocity drop way, way down in early June. He missed a couple of months. When he came back, he just was not the same pitcher. But the Rangers are feeling very, very confident that he's going to see their team doctor, Keith Meister, when they come back on Monday. Hopefully get a little bit more of an accurate reading there. But they felt confident about what he has been doing and how long this injury is going to take. With Nathan Evaldi, you kind of knew he was going to be placed on the I.L. at some point this year. That's just what he's done in his career. He has not been most consistent, the most healthy guy. He did pitch 180 innings just one time in the last, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years. He's thrown just over 180 innings only twice in his career, once in 2014, where he was one out shy from 200 innings. And then his fourth place Cy Young year in 2021 with the Red Sox, he threw 182 innings. But outside of that, he just has not been able to stay on the mound, stay healthy for an entire season. The Rangers have gotten 123 and two-thirds innings out of him so far. I think they could have been a little bit less aggressive in pushing him, but the truth is they need every single one of those innings. But he was pitching deep into games and throwing maybe a few more pitches than were absolutely necessary. That was when the Rangers' bullpen was in shambles, and the Rangers needed a lot of innings from Nathan Evaldi, and he has stepped up time and time again for the Rangers. Hopefully he can come back and be fully healthy because the Rangers are really going to need him. And if not, the Rangers might need to make another trade for a starting pitcher at the end of this or in the next couple of days, which I think they just might do. Coming up, we're going to look at how aggressive Chris Young might need to be and a couple more trade targets that Chris Young could make before the Tuesday deadline. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On Tuesday's show, we'll be looking more at what the Rangers are doing at this deadline. Maybe we'll even have another trade by that point. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, this is the first trade deadline with Chris Young fully in charge. He was a part of the trade deadline last year, and we saw what he did this offseason when he finally got the reins, and he has been very, very aggressive so far in his trade negotiations. I think that he has done a very good job so far at the pitchers that he signed this offseason at you know helping to secure Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager to contracts when he had just started with this front office. I feel like he had been here for just maybe a few months, maybe a year at that point. But it hadn't been long that Chris Young had been a part of this team before he started making his impact felt. And this deal for Max Scherzer is a great deal for the Rangers. I know that Luis Angel Acuna is a very highly rated prospect in the top 100 at Baseball Prospectus, at Baseball America, at MLB Pipeline, and I'm sure a few other places, pretty much most places, had him as a top 100 overall prospect in baseball. But sometimes that's the price of doing business, and it's really frustrating to see that it seems like every time the Rangers are in their cycle of contention, that's when there are more contenders than there are sellers. But when the Rangers are in their seller time, it feels like that's when they are not getting nearly enough for their good trade pieces, except for that one year in 2021 when they traded Joey Gallo and uh, got a, a pretty darn good deal in having Ezekiel Duran 
be included in that deal as well as all the other pitchers that were included in that deal. But I think Chris Young is still going to be aggressive at this trade deadline. The Rangers still have some needs. Their bullpen is looking much, much better. Thankfully, Josh Spores is back and looked good. His first outing since coming back off the IL, Will Smith is very trustworthy in that closer role. Brock Burke has been very consistent for the Rangers. And of course, the Rangers also have Araldis Chapman, who has got some of the nastiest stuff in all of baseball, although he has been lit up in just one outing and very inopportune moment in Houston during that most recent series. The Rangers still could use some more help in their bullpen. I am starting to trust Jose Leclerc in big situations yet again. His ERA is down to 267, and I'm just really starting to believe even more that he is back to being a very effective late innings, high leverage situation type of guy. And you can always use a few more of those guys. But if the Rangers want to be really aggressive and shore up their weakest part of their team, they could trade for one more starting pitcher. I don't think they're going to make a move for Justin Verlander. They could, but I think that would be a little bit too aggressive for them. I just don't really love what I've seen from Justin Verlander this year. His ERA is significantly lower than what we've seen from Max Scherzer this year, but his strikeout rate is down to the 34th percentile of baseball. The walks are, you know, about average. He's not getting a lot of swings and misses. The velocity is is down as well to averaging 94 miles an hour, where last year it was 95 and much more effective with the Astros last year. And if Houston decides to make a trade for Justin Verlander, I, I think the Rangers might end up wanting to let them because Verlander is owed, was paid $43 million this year. He's going to be earning, earning $43 million next year. Then if he pitches at least 140 innings the year after that, then he could be making his $35 million player option uh, vests, or it becomes a vesting option that becomes a player option with 140 innings in 2025 when he is 42 years old. That is a lot of money for a guy who is very old, who has been one of the best pitchers of his generation, who has been incredibly consistent and incredibly good as recently as last year, which is why I was so excited that he signed with the Mets to just get him out of the Rangers division. If he comes right back, that's going to be really frustrating because he, he won a Cy Young last year. He had a 175 ERA in 175 innings with the Astros literally just last year, his age 39 season. So there's still some more stuff in the tank for Justin Verlander. And if he goes back to the Astros, I think they might unlock a better version than we have seen with the Mets so far this season, which kind of scares me. But that payroll would also make it very difficult for them to possibly repay or re-sign uh, their right field of Kyle Tucker, who has been the bane of my existence since he came up with the Astros. But I think the Rangers still need to be a little bit more aggressive. Right now, their playoff rotation would look like this. They would have Nathan Eovaldi starting game one. I think Scherzer would probably start game two, John Gray in game three. And then game four, you would have one of Andrew Heaney, Martin Perez, or Dane Dunning, which I don't feel super great about any of them starting in a playoff game right now at this point. I don't feel super great with how John Gray has been pitching as of late of him starting game three. If he's in game four, I think that is the ideal scenario and that is a lethal, lethal run rotation and one of the best in baseball. So if the Rangers want to go get real aggressive and go just absolutely bonanzas this trade deadline, then they could go get Blake Snell. I think that is definitely a possibility. I think it would take a lot. I think they could do it without giving up Evan Carter. And I think they could do it without giving up Sebastian Walcott. That one would really, really hurt. I don't want to give up Sebastian Walcott 
for anything. I was really debating on putting Walcott number two in my top prospect rankings. I still, I still just could not pull the trigger on that. Also, by the way, on Saturday when he was pulled from that game, apparently it was some disciplinary issue, not that he was being talked about, about being included in this trade. So that is a nice thing for Rangers fans because if, if Walcott was in this deal or if a second prospect in this deal, I think this would be a big overpay, even if it was just Thomas J.C., like I initially thought the deal was going to be. But I think the Rangers made a good move trading for Scherzer and adding someone like Blake Snell, who, if they could ideally maybe just light him up in this Sunday start, because I don't think they're going to trade for him in the, what, five seconds, at, oh, less than negative seven minutes since I started recording this, um, to get him off the hill in this game against the Rangers. But um, I think that this could be a guy who really sets the Rangers over the top. It also protects you from... gives you some assurance that if Nathan Evaldi's injury is a little worse than we anticipated, then you could have Blake Snell as your game one starter, which would be fantastic. He has been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball this year. We will probably see it in this game, but before the game, he had a 2.61 ERA in 21 starts, 114 innings, and 147 strikeouts, a 3.1 baseball reference war. The walks are a bit of an issue. 64 walks leads all of Major League Baseball among starters, and his ERA plus of 157 also leads all qualified starters. So 5.1 walks per nine, 11.6 Ks per nine. Does not allow a lot of hits or home runs, but does get bit by the walk. He is kind of like the best version of, this this sounds like a huge insult, but he's kind of similar to Andrew Heaney in that he is not very efficient with his pitch count, but Blake Snell has much, much better stuff than Andrew Heaney. You can actually trust him to go through a rotation several times through. He has got a lot of postseason experience, including pitching in the World Series in Arlington and getting taken out of that game prematurely. If the Rangers had him, I don't think they would take him out after four scoreless innings with nine strikeouts i think that they would probably keep pitching him um and also some extra help in the bullpen i think scott barlow was a name that i floated on friday's trade deadline preview episode and is a name that i really really like he would be a rental from the royals a right-handed reliever whose fastball isn't anything amazing his breaking stuff is very very good he has been trustworthy in big situations he is a free agent after this year he's 30 years old wouldn't cost a whole lot would just be a rental and the rangers have already made a trade with the royals for one rental reliever this year why not go make a second i mean i feel like that is definitely a likely possibility i don't think the rangers are going to be in for josh Hader just because they have three really really solid lefties in their bullpen not that they couldn't go get him or they couldn't make some big big deal if they wanted to go absolutely all in for this season, then they would probably make a deal for Snell and Hader, who are the two best players left on the market. I think bar none. I think it's by far those two. And both of them will be rentals because they will both be free agents at the end of the season. I don't think the Rangers do that. I also don't think the Rangers make a trade for a bat. There's just, there's nobody on this trade market that I think would really set the Rangers over the top and be worth the whatever cost they they end up giving up. I know that this Sunday lineup has Robbie Grossman hitting second, which which feels very dire. And having no Corey Seager and having no Jonah Heim for at least for now is is a scary prospect. But Nathaniel Lowe is starting to heat up. He is a silver slugger at first base. They have several other all-stars left in this lineup in Marcus Simeon and Josh Young and Adoles Garcia. Lily Tavares is kind of falling back down to earth as is Travis Jankowski as of late, but they still have Ezekiel Duran who is still a very, very good player in that lineup. And, you know, 
I mean, the rest of this lineup is still very, very deep. I don't think that there's any bat that really would make that big a difference for the Rangers to go and trade for him. I've seen some Rangers fan thinking about, hey, let's let's go trade for Dylan Cease and Luis Robert. That would be fun, but neither of those guys are on the trade market. And I also think that the Rangers would have to significantly overpay to get both those guys from Chicago. So I think the Rangers are in a good place. They're going to need to make at least one more trade. Maybe if they're feeling a little less spicy of going all in for someone like Blake Snell, if they want to get just one more starter, maybe Michael Lorenzen of the Tigers, a guy who was an all-star this year somehow, would be a fine, fine number three or four starter in your rotation would make this team just a little bit better. And you could also sleep much better knowing that you're probably not going to have to give any postseason starts to the combination of Dane Dunning or Andrew Heaney or Martin Perez. You could still roll with that. I think it might be okay. But in order to fend off these Astros and to secure that number two spot or maybe even number one seed in the playoffs, I think the Rangers need to make at least one, if not two more trades. They're in a good place. Max Scherzer is a fantastic trade for them. But I think they need just a little bit more to assure themselves of their first postseason spot since 2016. That's going to do it for today's show. Like I said, on tomorrow's show, I'll be back doing a crossover with Ryan of Locked on Mets, talking a little bit more in depth about how good Max Scherzer actually is and what's left of him. And this just very peculiar trade of the Mets eating so much salary and still saving themselves some money. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.